Hello, everyone. Welcome to our First City Church online worship service. Thank you for joining us. Why don't you go ahead and get your Bible and open it up to Acts chapter 3. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4 today for the bulk of the message. It's always better when we're together. We introduced this last week. And so what we're trying to do is think about how we're going to assemble again and, and balance that with the coronavirus uh, you know, challenges uh, that we have in front of us. And so I thought this was interesting. You know, here we go with, with how, how do we assemble? How do we gather? While at the same time, there are virus concerns. And we have people who are in a, a, an at-risk group, and we want to make sure that everything is safe for them. And we want to create opportunities where we can go ahead and assemble. And it may be different decisions for different age groups. And so what are we going to do? And so I find all of that really what's in front of us is not the decision on how do we assemble versus uh, gather versus the virus, but really what is the impact that the virus is having on, on us versus our mission? And so right now, a lot of conversations are going on around our nation and around the world as to what is the impact that the virus is having on the economy, on America, on uh, organizations, on individuals and their jobs and all that. And so that is really what's in front of us. Now, just focusing on, you know, whether we should gather together versus uh, the concerns with the virus. Uh, I would love for you to go and research Aaron Bromage. He does a lot of work on this subject. He's a biologist. He's a professor at a university, has his doctorate degree, studies this. This is all he does. He says, in order to get affected, you need to get exposed to an infectious dose of the virus based on infectious dose studies. And he gives a couple here with mirrors and SARS and his own. And then he said, some estimate that as few as 1,000 SARS or viral particles are needed for an infection to take hold. This is what really scares people because they know that a sneeze could produce 30,000 of these viral particles. And if you're around somebody that has uh, or is infected by this virus, it would be easy for you to, you know, to, to catch it and, and be exposed. But what he comes back and he says is that it's, it's not really that simple. Successful infection equals exposure to the virus multiplied by the amount of time that you're there. He goes on to explain, that's why it's, it's slim to none chance that you're going to get it if you're in a grocery store, even if you're not wearing a mask. You know, because it's not just that you pass somebody who may be affected, but if, if you're in conversation with them, if they sneeze and your mouth is open, okay, you, you, you know, that's, you, may, you may be at risk. But if you're just in normal conversation, how long must you be there in conversation before you're going to get enough of these particles to gather together so that you're really exposed? He does a lot of study on that. He says, really, it's not just these small encounters as you pass somebody, as you're with somebody for a couple of minutes, but over time, if you're in a room, in fact, look at this, ignoring the terrible outbreaks in nursing homes, we find that the biggest outbreaks are in prisons, religious ceremonies, workplaces. We all heard about the meatpacking facility, call centers, any environment that is enclosed with poor air circulation and high density of people spells trouble. So... Our biggest concern 
is that the one environment where people could be most exposed would be in our worship center if we were to all gather. Now, there are a lot of things that we can do with precautions to make sure that it's the safest environment, but you need to know, we think that you need to be as conservative as you need to be to make sure that you stay safe as we all begin to think about assembling again. We will continue to offer all of our offerings and worship services online so that you don't miss any of our worship services. If you miss something, it may be in how we gather. But what we want to do is meet in open air spaces or in places where ventilation is, uh, is really good, airflow is, is good, and smaller uh, lengths of time to make sure that we minimize risk. So moving forward, I still believe, though, that this is not the real question. Here, here's my challenge. Now I'm going to talk to you as a pastor, and I'm really going to talk to you about the mission. I want you to know um, I, I'm, re- I'm really concerned about people who are most at risk, and I want you to protect yourself. I was speaking with a, a man. I got his permission to share this. He was asking me, Rick, am I operating under fear if I don't come back and assemble when, when everybody starts to get together? You know, because we're at an at-risk group, me and my wife. And then he said this, I've already experienced losing one wife. I can't lose my wife. She means way too much to me. And I'm like, man, you are not operating under fear. You're operating under love. Because of love for her, you want to protect her and everybody else. And so please, please protect yourself. And you need to know that I'm saying that on the front end because I'm about to get so passionate about the mission that you might feel like I'm running over all of your precautions, and I don't want to do that. Everyone needs to make the best decision that you can. We talked about that last week. Go back and listen to that message. But it has to be partnered with what is it that God's calling us to? Now, this is where I'm going to really challenge you. I think if you were to go and ask most people, what are the two or three things that you're doing to make sure that you're not infected or exposed to this virus? They can give you two or three things that they're doing. What are you doing to stay healthy to make sure that you and your family are all well protected? People can give you two or three things. But if I were to ask, what are the two or three things that you're doing to make sure that during this time you're advancing the kingdom of God? I think people would have to scramble to come up with answers. And so during this time, I know we need to pay a lot of attention to when and how we gather and the effect of the virus, but I'm just going to tell you, God has really called us to a mission. We lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not that I want people to feel guilty, but don't forget, it's not... It's one thing to be passionate about the virus, and we put a lot of energy to making sure that we're safe. My question is, are you putting that much intentionality to making sure that we're fulfilling the mission of the church? And so I just want to talk about that today. And I want to open this up to the fact that situations lead to opportunities which lead to decisions. And we're in a situation right now with this, with this virus But if we're careful, we're going to let it paralyze us and we're not going to be about the mission of the church. So the mission is advanced by situations that lead to opportunities, that lead to decisions. Sometimes the situation, uh, for like today in Peter and John's case, it could have led to their death. 
But what was their opportunity and what was their decision? So I just want to talk to you about the mission of the church today. Look at this, Acts chapter 3. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service, which is a great thing to do. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. See, each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Now, here's our situation. They're just going to church, right? They're going to a prayer meeting. And here is a beggar, been, been there all his life, and he's just trying to make ends meet. And he reaches out and he says, hey, Peter and John, he, I don't know if he knew their name right, but he's like, hey, can you, can you give me some money? Can you spare some change? And Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. Maybe he was embarrassed, which is why he wasn't looking up. Maybe he'd been rejected so much he didn't think there was any hope. But the layman looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. This man, guarantee it, never heard anything like this in his life. Never had that kind of a situation. And so he reaches down to help the man up. Look at this. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with him. This man's life was radically altered. Here's the situation. He's lame, has no hope of life except for what people give him by grace just to make it through the day. But Peter and John came and offered him something very different. They offered him eternal life through the name of Jesus Christ. And this man received healing, began walking and leaping and jumping and praising God. And then he goes into the temple with Peter and John. And the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized that he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. And they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. I bet he was. I bet he was so excited. And he was like, man, this is amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now Solomon's colonnade, all the Jews and Gentiles, everybody in the, in the city could assemble there. That's where everybody wanted to be, where they talked, where they did business, where they drank their Starbucks coffee. That was the place. But they saw this man and something big was going on, and it led to an opportunity. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why do you stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. And instantly people are like, Jesus? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're talking about Jesus? Uh-oh, here we go. This same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate. Despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. Remember Barabbas? 
You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead and we are witnesses of this fact. He's like, man, I'm just telling you, you you crucified the Messiah, the Son of God. You said he was lying and you were yelling, crucify him. And I'm telling you, God raised him from the dead and he raised this lame man and, and, and healed him so that he could walk. And through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. But faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. And this led to a decision. What am I going to do? You had one decision before where you were presented with the Messiah. You rejected him and you crucified him. But God raised him from the dead. And now here we are telling you about him. And all we're asking is that you make a decision now in the name of Jesus Christ. And so they talked to him about the prophets and how it led to the Messiah and Jesus Christ. And by the time you get to chapter 4, verse 1, while Peter and John were still speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. And there is. Not only did God raise Jesus from the dead, but he can bring you back to life. And bring me back to life in the name of Jesus Christ. And so they arrested Peter and John. But since it was already evening, they put them in jail until morning. Here's the decision. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believe now totaled about 5,000. The last time we got a number in the book of Acts, it was the number 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. 3,000 men, women, and children all believed and became disciples of Jesus Christ. But now, just a couple of chapters later, and because of this event, the number of believers is growing. They're seeing this healing. They're seeing this man. They believe the message. And now, instead of just 3,000, there are 5,000 men, right? It's multiplying. So, So here's an opportunity that Peter and John took advantage of. People made decisions. The kingdom of God is growing, but they arrested Peter and John. So the story's not over. We've just got a new situation. And so now here's the situation. Peter and John are arrested. They bring them out the next morning. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of the religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. And they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? (laughs) You know what Peter's thinking. Here's my opportunity. A situation led to an opportunity for me to speak in the name of Jesus. And so he did. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, just pause for me. I just love that. I just, I love that. You know, here's Peter, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I hope that as you're sitting and you're just listening to this message, that that's something that you won't said of you, that that you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that people can tell that all you want to do is completely be full of God and fulfill his mission his plan for your life. 
And so he said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Uh Uh-oh. You know, the soundtrack that's going on in my mind right now is the movie A Few Good Men where you have, you know, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. And he's like, you want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth, right? (laughs) Do you want to know how he was healed? Are you sure you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures when it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. They were very familiar with this passage. This is something they talked about all the time. Oh, God, open up our eyes so that we receive the Messiah. And when he comes, we'll believe in him and we'll follow him and we'll turn toward you and and we'll bring and establish your kingdom. They talked about it all the time. But they're like, he came. His name was Jesus Christ and you crucified him. And so when the scriptures say, you builders rejected and he became the corner, he's talking about you. You rejected Jesus Christ. And by his power, this man walks. This lame man now is healed. And so the real question is, what are you going to do with Jesus? And I love this next line. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. These are some of the greatest words ever written in Scripture that it is because of Jesus Christ that we are saved. No one will be saved outside of the name of Jesus Christ because of what he did, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his forgiveness of our sin, his conquering of death, his victory over Satan. All of that is because of Jesus Christ. And if we have hope, if we have life, it's because of him. And now we're faced with a decision. What am I going to do with Jesus? What am I now going to do? as it relates to Jesus Christ. And that's your decision too. What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to continue to push him out of your life or are you going to invite him in? Are you going to submit wholeheartedly to him? And so Peter and John were like, that's all we're here to talk about. It's not even about the healing of the man. It's about what are you going to do with Jesus? And that's, that's the, the question in front of you today. So if you have not made a decision for Jesus Christ, This is the time where you begin saying, you can reject and you can reject and you can reject, but at some point, at some point in your life, you're going to have to ask, what am I going to do with Jesus? And man, I pray you do that today. He died for you. He wants to save your soul and and let him. That's your decision. And so we continue. What should we do with these men? So now what are we going to do? Decisions, decisions, decisions. They ask each you know, other. We can't deny that he's performed this miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and they commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Pause. 
if that's what a judge or a lawyer or a parent or a teacher in a university, if that's what you were charged with, how different would that alter your life? I mean, you may say, hey, I'm just in school. I'm just trying to do my homework and make a good grade and get my degree and get out of there. I don't want to cause controversy. If I were to speak up in the name of Jesus, they'd call me a Jesus freak. And it's not going to be good. Look, I'm just going to work. All I want to do is just earn a paycheck and get home and mind my own business. Well, there are two things that I never do, two things I never speak about, politics and religion, because I don't want to be labeled this or labeled that and and I don't want to, or it, it's scary, man. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to offend anybody. And so I just keep to myself. I just stay quiet. How, how affected would your life be if you were told you couldn't go out and tell anybody about Jesus anymore? I'm just afraid that for a lot of people, their life wouldn't be changed at all. But not Peter and John. Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. He's like, let me just tell you, uh, you're not threatening my life. You're you're threatening my mission if you tell me to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. And so, uh, you know, this decision was made. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. But look at the decision of the people. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. There was a situation, and it led to an opportunity. And Peter and John presented the kingdom. They presented Jesus Christ. They presented a path for people to be saved. Some people rejected it. And they told Peter and John, if you keep doing this, we're going to kill you. We're going to threaten you. We're going to, we're going to stop your life. And they're like, we're not stopping. We're not going to obey you. We're going to obey God. And other people made a decision. Because of their boldness, everyone in Jerusalem was praising God. And the kingdom of God continued to grow. Man. See, to me, that's what's most important. It does not really matter what is the situation that's in front of us because there's always a situation. You just keep reading that story. They left. uh, Peter and John went back to the assemble where a a bunch of other believers were. They told them the story. They told them about the lame man. They told them about being thrown in prison. They told them about what they said and what happened. They offered up a prayer. God, thank you for what you've done in this man. I don't know why people continue to fight against you, but thank you for hearing our prayer. Now, God, give us more boldness so that we continue to speak in your name. And then God made a decision. The next verse says, the place where they were praying was shaken and God filled them all with the Holy Spirit and they went out and preached the word with boldness. More situations, more decisions. Chapter five, Bible starts off by saying, verse 1, there was this man named Ananias, and he had a wife named Sapphira, and they sold some property. Uh-oh. A new situation. What's going to happen? See, in your life right now, we, we have these situations. How we act in those situations, what decisions we make, decide whether there's going to be an opportunity or not. And out of those opportunities, we either advance the kingdom of God in our own life and the lives of others, 
or we don't. And so as your pastor, I'm just telling you, we're going to get through the virus. It's going, there's going to be a solution. They're going to come up with a vaccine. I don't care if it's this month or 10 months from now. It's going to happen. But what we did with the kingdom of God during this time is what's really important. And that's what I'm going to be held accountable to. And so we've already presented some opportunities in front of you. Streets of prayer, get out in your streets and pray. Cover your streets in prayer. Write down the names of people who do not know God and advance them. Go feed in our foster program. Go, you can donate to it. You can come participate in it. And it doesn't even have to be our foster program. If you know of anybody who's hurting and, 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 and in the need, present it to us. Let's go do something in the name of Jesus. If you have other questions or if you want to get involved, contact us. If you want to become a Christian, if you're tired of saying no to Jesus and you know today I've got to do something with, with that decision, well, right now, today, you can fall on your knees. You can say, God, I offer you my life. I am a believer. I have, I have rejected Jesus and I am tired of that. I'm ready to give and surrender to you, and you can become a believer today, right now. And there are other you know, things that we have in front of us. This survey that Taryn talked about at the beginning, fill out the survey. We need to know the answers to those questions. We need to know if we assemble, how we assemble, how we're going to get together. We need to know are we going to offer one worship service, two, or more. We need to know if we're going to reshape and think how we do small groups. Right now they're scheduled to come back June the 14th, we may move that up. We're talking right now with the leaders of small groups. What are we going to do? But these are big decisions for us. So I want you to be praying about it. I want you to take full advantage of all the opportunities that God has put in front of you. It's always better when we're together. But don't forget, our mission is not just about assembling. Our mission is not just making sure that we navigate this virus well Our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And I pray this week we are all very intentional on how we go about doing that. That's what we're going to be held accountable to. And that's what thrills our life. That's what moves us. That's why we exist. So before we share in communion and just celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, I want to pray with you. Lord God, In the name of Jesus, I just pray for more boldness like Peter and John, that we speak up, that we are the ones who, despite any concerns, will take a stand for what he has done in our life and how he can transform the lives of other people. I pray for those who've never made a decision for Jesus, that right now they become a believer, cry out to you and give you their whole heart. For those of us who have already made that decision, Lord God, give us boldness. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we can speak in your name, proclaim the good news before those in our community and give them something to celebrate, some, a reason to live and not just be afraid because of this virus. Lord God, these are important times. Lead us ahead to advance your kingdom in our day, in our time. And thank you for that opportunity. In the name of Jesus, amen. Enjoy your time of communion. I look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.